Welcome to a special edition of the Bill Walton Show as we delve into what's happening with the unofficial presidential election results. The coronation ceremony already underway among the media and the Democrats, despite mounting evidence of election fraud and the fact that everywhere else in America, Democrats have lost a lot of ground with this election. And also what's happening in Georgia that will determine who controls the U.S. Senate. Joining me, joining me to explain this is my friend, John Fund, who I believe is among the most politically astute journalists in America. John is national affairs reporter for National Review Online, senior editor at the American Spectator, among as many other uh, hats he wears. John, thanks for joining. A pleasure, Bill, and thank you. I've uh, learned a great deal about the economy from you over the years and uh, happy to join your audience. Well, I'm trying to branch out into politics at great peril, and I, I, need, I need guidance, and I need John Fund guidance. So where, where, where should we start? Should we start with what's happening? Well, let's, uh, let's start with um, a lot of people say that, uh, you know, the election can be overturned, and we can have a different result. And uh, my position on this is very simple, Bill. Uh, the fraud we have to worry about is not what happened on Election Day. It's the heist that occurred in March and April when under the cover of COVID, uh, the left basically used the courts, their governors, their state legislatures, and their control of secretaries of state to completely transform how people voted in many battleground states. Pennsylvania, which had um, only had 4% voters voting early or absentee, went from 4% to over 60% this year. Even though some states out west where I'm from vote largely by mail, that is a process that takes several election cycles to perfect. You cannot turn an entire election system upside down and transform it uh, in the space of a few months. So you were going to have massive logistical and other problems. And basically, um, they dismantled the safeguards that normally would take place. They said, well, we're going to have so many ballots, we can't have the signature verification that we normally have on a mail-in ballot. Las Vegas, Nevada dialed down the signature verification setting so that automatically 98% of voters by mail were declared valid and uh, no human being even looked at those ballots. They were all done by machine with the settings turned all the way down. You had Pennsylvania where the Supreme Court in a rogue action decreed, even though it wasn't part of law, that ballots could come in three days after the election. They didn't need a valid postmark and they didn't need any signature verification. So this was a, if this was a heist, it was performed in March and April. And conservatives are very good at fighting elections, but they're very bad at process issues. What are the rules of the road? And as I told you at the Council for National Policy, um, if we don't pay attention to the rules of the road and we don't pay attention to these lower level officials like the secretaries of Soros, I'm sorry, the secretaries of state that the left keeps electing. <laughs> I hope you're not right about that. <laughs> uh, we are going to, uh, well, in a couple states I am actually. Yeah. Uh, if we don't pay attention to that in the future, we're going to find this situation again because Bill, you cannot stop the fraud after it happens on election day. You have to stop it before it happens. Well, and I, I, I so agree, and I, I'm dismayed. Well, I love all things Trump. I'm, uh, there are some exceptions, and we visited with his campaign people for, oh, I don't know, two, three, four months ago, and we said this mail-in ballot thing, and I think you were there. You were involved with it at the time. We I, said, I don't remember any of that. 
but anyway, it was good. As we said, it was, I, they should go on name. They said, oh, no, don't worry. We got this in hand. Nothing to worry about mail Well, guess it. what? We now have proof they didn't. Yeah, well, yeah, well, and they should be looking for other jobs. But, you know, it's funny, in, in Rap, my, my Rappahannock County, the headline of the local paper says, Rappahannock votes red. And you look at it, it was about 60-40 Trump. But then you look at the six voting sites, they average about 75% for Trump. So the people who were going in that day to vote, it was three to one. So what explains it? Well, what you were talking about, it was 80% of the vote that was mail-in went for Biden. And well, you know, I don't think we want to get hang hung up too much on these percentages. Let's talk about the Trump legal challenges um, to these results. And let, I'm just making a practical argument here. Uh, Donald Trump is behind in Arizona. He's behind in Georgia. He's behind in Pennsylvania. He's behind in Wisconsin. He's behind in Mich Michigan. He's behind in Nevada. He has to win most of those to become president again. The problem is this. Uh, this is not a governor's race or Senate race. This is the presidential race, which is dictated by the Electoral College. The Electoral College meets December 14th. Six days before that, the states have to certify their results and send the names of the Electoral College members uh, in. So all of this has to be wrapped up by December 8th. The last time I checked on the calendar, that's basically a little over three weeks from now. So Donald Trump regardless of what happened or didn't happen, has to assemble compelling, convincing, and comprehensive evidence of massive voter fraud or irregularities. He has to present that to judges. They have to agree that it was so systemic, the election results should be set aside, and he should be declared the winner in not one, not two, but probably three or four states. And that has to go through the appeals court process and probably to the Supreme Court all within the space of about 25 days. So the clock's now, running. I believe there's such a thing as Operation Warp Speed, but it rarely happens in legal matters. Well, and judges have feet of clay. I mean, they're not going to want to overturn an election. Uh, you know, look at John Roberts at the Supreme Court. I mean, he. he well, I'm not. I, let's let's just say this happens in front of the most favorable judges you can imagine, including mm -hmm. judges appointed by Donald Trump. I don't even know if you could do it in 25 days to, 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 to people's satisfaction and credibility, because any decision that's made has to be, have real credibility. You don't overturn elections in two, three, or four states unless you have such overwhelming evidence it's going to be accepted by the public at large. In terms of evidence, is there any egregious smoking gun that has been found that's, that points up what, what people are saying about fraud? I mean, I think you're right. Yes, the, the, the smoking gun is we should never have gone to all-mail balloting, which a presidential commission co-chaired by Jimmy Carter in 2005 warned was the biggest single potential source of voter fraud in this country. Well, there used to be a consensus in this country that mail-in balloting should be limited because of the potential for fraud, coercion, and intimidation and ballot so, harvest. So how do, we, how, do we, how do we put the genie back in the bottle? Because I quite agree. Well, before Donald Trump, let's, let's assume Donald Trump leaves office. Before he leaves office, he should appoint a presidential commission uh, empowered to look at all aspects of our creaky, antiquated, and outdated and fraud-prone election system, depending on which state you're in. And he should appoint uh, worthies such as former Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin as a Republican co-chair and Doug Schoen, who's a former pollster for Hillary Clinton and former advisor to Michael Bloomberg, and he should empower them, give them full funding, and dare Joe Biden to dismantle that commission should he take office as president on January 20th. And we need a full autopsy 
from top to bottom, including in all the states that have Republican legislatures, and I think Michigan is already holding hearings on this, and we need to get to the bottom of how this happened and how our entire election system was transformed overnight. And by the way, it wasn't necessary. You know, did you notice the left said up until the last few weeks, don't vote at the polls, it's not safe. And then suddenly they said, go vote, go to the polls and vote. So it was complete hypocrisy. It wasn't necessary to switch to mail-in voting. And this was a silent coup um, of election rules changes, but it happened back in March and April. It didn't happen on election day. So let's suppose this presidential uh, appointed group does come up with something that's, that's uh, concrete evidence of, of the problems there are, and they come up with some recommendations to fix it. How would that be implemented? Well, the first thing we have to do, Bill, is talk about this. When I spoke to your group in August, um, no one was talking about this. And I've been writing on this. You were, subject. you were, you were. Well, yes, but, but okay, yeah, and my, and my co-author Hans von Spakowski from Heritage. Yeah. Uh, for 20 years, we have not spent the time and effort in process, in the rules of the road. And we have to change that. Rather than spend a bunch of money on political consultants who run TV ads and collect 15% commissions, I call them the staff infection, we need to spend some time on the infrastructure of our democracy and how we conduct elections. Because what we're doing isn't working. Because this shouldn't have happened. We should have, had, we should have been able to argue and thwart some of the efforts they made to transform our elections overnight using COVID as an excuse. So I think this is the wake-up call we've needed on our side. This is the alarm bell in the night, yeah. not the wake-up call. Well, okay, we'll argue about metaphors, but it's a big, big deal, and we got to do something about it. And a lot of people, like me, think process is boring and you know, rhetoric soaring. And, and it is. So, but we got to get used to boring if we're going to win again. Well, we're going to get used to boring if President Biden takes office because we're going to have a pretty boring presidency. And actually, even some liberals will miss Donald Trump because they won't have anyone to hate anymore. And the time we've got here, though, yeah, well, that's true. Uh, I, I, we, there were a lot of wins for conservatives and libertarians around the country. I mean, in California, it turns out they voted down a lot of libertarian, a lot of libertarians voted down a lot of bad uh, uh, propositions. And elsewhere, we took control of the or we gain control of a few houses in, uh, in, in the states. What, what, what is, what's the good news from this election? The left was completely thwarted in their goals to transform America. They're going to lose those Georgia runoffs. Uh, they are not gonna get the Green New Deal. They're not gonna get massive increases in taxes and regulation through Congress, some through Biden executive orders, but not that much. Uh, they're not gonna get Puerto Rico and District of Columbia states. They're not gonna pack the court. Um, Joe Biden will have to clear all of his judicial appointees with Mitch McConnell. Some of them will be rejected. Um, and the Republicans in the House gained seats. Uh, two years ago, Bill, Democrats won the House vote nationally by nine points. Votes are still being counted, but right now Republicans are leading Democrats in the national House vote. Did you, would you have imagined that last week Republicans would carry a majority of the House vote in this country? I didn't. Well, and also with the razor thin majority, Pelosi's got to worry about her own caucus. Well, she, first of all, you know, parties in power tend to lose in midterm elections. Democrats are going to lose the House in 2022. Mm. End of story. Let's talk about the firewall, if you want to call it that, in Georgia. You believe that regardless of this Georgia Senate race, we're still going to be able to control the 
control the Senate. A, I want to win those races, and what are the challenges to doing that? And B, if that doesn't happen, what's our what's well? Our it's not it's not going to happen, and I'll tell you why. Democrats won about forty-seven or forty-eight percent of the vote in both those Senate races. If you total up all the Democratic candidates. Um, there have been 60 years of runoffs in Georgia, everything from public utilities commissioner to regents of the University of Georgia, to governor, to senator. And in 60 years, Bill, how many of those runoffs have been won by Democrats? Um, you know, I'm, I'm shifting from economics to politics. You're going to have well, to- I'll give you the answer. <laughs> Zero. Zero. Okay. Zero. Yeah. So the problem is this. These runoffs are held in the middle of the Christmas and New Year's holiday season. Do you really believe that without Donald Trump as a figure of hate to motivate people to turn out uh, in, in these runoff elections, the Democrats are going to be able to boost turnout and win back these seats? Do you really believe that's going to happen? It's never happened before. I don't think it's going to happen now. And if they want to waste $500 million, they just wasted a billion dollars trying to fight the House races. And look what that did them. You know, Money isn't everything in politics. If there's one lesson from 2020, you can have too much money and frankly, it can boomerang against you. Yeah, we can check in with Mike Bloomberg on that one. Yes. Although I've heard he still wants to play in Georgia. He doesn't. He doesn't. Well, guess play. what? He promised to play $100 million in Florida. Do you know how much money he actually delivered? Much less than that. You, you can't. Bill, let me you tell you what can't secret, spend that much money. Let me, yes, you actually you could. But the problem is there's a secret of billionaires in politics. They talk a good game and then the check never shows up. So the other thing that happened is that Trump won 18% of black male voters, 30% of Hispanic males. 36% of black, of, of Hispanic males. 36, okay. And three, and three out of 10 LGBTQ voters. That to me is a stunning number. Not everyone in politics or voters think that they're ethnic, sexual, or uh, other orientation should dictate their lives. They actually live full lives with all kinds of interests and all kinds of issue perspectives and all kinds of concerns. And the, the, the big loser in this election bill was identity politics. Americans do not want to be pigeonholed in groupthink. They want to think for themselves. There are a lot of people who were fed up with political correctness, but they were afraid to say anything for fear of being labeled as sexist, racist, or homophobe. And you know what? They still voted and they sent a real message to the identity politics crew that, no, I'm sorry, we don't buy your product. So you're feeling now that 22 with the Biden presidency, if that's what happens, we win big in the House. And what happens in the Senate? The Senate has a lot of vulnerable Republican seats. But if Joe Biden enacts policies that harm the economy, the normal midterm reaction against the party in power will only be heightened. I think I'd, I'd give the Republicans odds to keep the Senate in 2022, and I'd give them even higher odds to take back the House. Okay, I know we're running out of time here, and you've got a you've got a hard out. So, I want, but I want a bonus quest. I have a bonus question for you. Um, what's happening with Fox? Uh, there, there's something wrong with the transmission, uh, Bill. I appear in all of these networks. Um, and, uh, I all of okay, that's that's not we've, we've wandered into that area that we don't uh, look let, let's just say I, I appear on I've, I appear in the following networks CNN MSNBC Fox Newsmax um, C-SPAN PBS and I have friends everywhere. 
Okay, so let's take that one off the table. I would track the question. But I do think it's an interesting thing, depending on Trump's temperament or, or how he's feeling afterwards. There is a big hole for a uh, conservative television network. Well, let me give you a prediction that I'm 100% sure of. Yeah. Whatever Donald Trump does in terms of media, and believe me, he will not want for attention, he will not put a penny of his own money into any new media property. Uh, Donald Trump does not spend his own money on politics. He just doesn't. And Bill, I, I I'm going to give you a bonus answer. You know, <laughs> Donald Trump said that if Joe Biden took the fundraising lead uh, this summer, he would put his own money into the race. We now have the final FEC numbers, except for the last maybe 10 days of the campaign. Do you know how much money of his own that Donald Trump put into the 2020 race for president? I don't know, green freeze for somebody that he took along at- No, $8,000. How much? 8,000. Wow. <laughs> Donald Trump does not spend his own money. He gets other people to spend money for him. So he may go into the media properties, but it's not gonna be with his own money. Okay. Well, John, thank you. Thank you for all this. This is, this is great. I, I, I hear your other alarm going off here. I, anyway, I'd, I'd like to say everybody here, is, uh, thanks for listening. And we'd love to hear what you think. Uh, let me know on Parler, Facebook, and Twitter, where you can find The Bill Walton Show. For previous episodes, you can find us on Apple, Pod, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And of course, at thebillwaltonshow.com. John Fund. Thank you. Uh, Political genius extraordinaire. No, no, but I, I, uh, I still, I still worship at your economic wisdom table. Thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll trade. All right. Take care, John. Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at thebillwaltonshow.com or on iTunes.